You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, Real Estate Runway family. Today, we have a special guest, Mr. Chris Odegaard. He's written a book, Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Assets. It's not a cuss word. That's a dollar sign, dollar sign, by the way, so no bleep necessary. But what I love about Chris is he is a professional limited partner these days. He was a corporate W-2 awesome with companies like Boeing and others and in the aircraft space. But you know, after featuring or, or going through experiencing rather an illiquidity event in 2009, he lost 55% of what he owned. And not for the reason you would think, because there was a big recession going on in 2009. However, he discovered alternative assets and alternative investing, such as multifamily syndications, ATMs, things of that sort. And he's built himself a nice portfolio as a passive investor, investing his money for cash flow and upside. And you know what he's here to do is really talk not only talk about the book that he wrote for your benefit, but show you that this is possible. So for all of you limited partner investors out there, investors of Quattro, potential you know people thinking about investing in spaces like this, it's not as scary as it seems. And here's an example of someone who's actually done it. All right, let's get into the episode. Here we go. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Sutton. We're powered by Quattro Capital today. I've got with me the man, Mr. Chris Odegaard, fellow nerdy engineer. I seem to attract engineers on this show. It's pretty funny, but here we are yet again with another one just like me, if not the most like me yet. But Chris used to be a conventional investor on the 401k highway to mediocrity with his investments. In 2009, he lost 55% of his assets and thousands of dollars a month in cash flow. Can't wait to hear that story. And by switching to alternative investments in nine short years, Chris has recouped his 55% asset loss, multiplied it many times over, and became financially free. I love stories like this because it makes it possible and attainable for you as well. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you doing, friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. This sounds like we're going to have story time today. So I'm really excited <laughs> about this. But first, you know, tell me who Chris is. What's your background? How did you get into even caring about investments? And maybe let them will lead into the 401k mediocrity. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you mentioned, I used to be like, well, you've got a different, you've probably got a mixture of people here. So I've been on both sides of the fence. I started off as, you know, just a conventional investor, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds through the 401k. And then, uh, and then you mentioned, something about a loss and all that, but I'll go back a little bit just because we're both nerdy, nerdy engineering guys. I started off as a, <laughs> I went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University down in Daytona Beach, Florida to become an airplane mechanic, which I did. And then I went whoa, on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's a guy. All right, guys. He's a super nerd. He went, he went to airplane school. That's, that's a really good school, by the way. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and I managed to uh, tack on a couple more years and get a bachelor's, bachelor of science degree. And I worked at the Kennedy Space Center when the space shuttles were first going off. And then uh, I, I I realized I, you know, I'd spent four years learning about airplanes. I didn't know anything about rockets. So I got a job at the Boeing company in Seattle as a aviation um, maintenance instructor on the 737-300 avionics systems. And uh, Chris, spent, hold on. I, I got to interrupt you and ask a question here. And only the nerds out here are going to get this. Were you working on the Saturn V rocket back in the day or? No, 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 not, I'm not that old. <laughs> it took him a minute. <laughs> it took me a minute to Saturn V. Guys, that was like space race days, John right, F. Kennedy right, right, back yeah. in the day. But anyway, keep going. Sorry, man. Uh, where, where was I? So, uh, uh, anyway, you know, I, I spent, I spent, you know, I spent decades at the Boeing company and at the end I ended up being at the height of my career, uh, the director of contracts 
for the, and, and basically when you're selling airplanes, you have a selling team, a marketing guy, the scale sales guy and the contracts guy, I say guy, some of them are women person. And uh, anyway, I was the contracts person. So I wrote, negotiated, signed and delivered and received money on the airplanes when they finally came. And so, you know, I've been to 30 something different countries selling airplanes all over the world, including one royal family. And uh, so it was, it was an MBA on steroids. And so that's kind of that backstory. But, uh, you know, in my mid forties, around 2009, like you mentioned, I experienced this huge illiquidity event and that's where you lose lots of money. And it was 55% of my assets and thousands of dollars a month in cash flow. In my case, it happened to be a divorce. There will be some people, men and women who can relate to that, but it could be anything, you know, bankruptcy, but you know, it, it happens. And so here I am, I had been on the, you know, the, the highway to mediocrity, and now it just got even more mediocre, you know, exponentially. And so, you know, something had to change. And around that same time, just kind of coincidentally, coincidentally, a friend of mine, you know, he said, hey, Chris, there's this book you got to read. And he gave me the name of the book and I bought the book and it sat, you know, it sat somewhere in the house for uh, months, I'm sure. And finally, one day I was on a business trip and I grabbed that book and I read it. And of course, it was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He's a member of the club, folks. I, I, I love the Purple Book Club. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it was just like, a, you know, it was it's the same old story. It's like a lightning bolt, all this different ways of thinking about money and, uh, and investments. And so I was I was sold and I started moving off in that direction and kind of completely, you know, some people say, well, you know, I've got 90 percent of the stock market and 10 percent in real estate on the other way. Um, I have to actually do the number because I'm probably 95 percent non stock market and 5 percent. But, you know, so I started uh, I started investing in performing and non performing notes. I had some small single family and multifamily rentals. I've done some private equity. And and, and now I, I'm really, now I'm, 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 I'm in your camp. I'm strictly, mostly a multifamily guy on the limited partner side. But, you know, so there we are, 2009, nine years later, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, what I call fire the man, the Boeing company. And uh, not that it was a bad ride. It was a great ride, but you know, there becomes a point where you want to do something different. And I kind of, you know, I had a balance sheet and I had bookkeepers and I was very organized as, as a serious investor. And I go, well, I'm here now. It's too bad. I don't have, I didn't have all those records from back then. So I could quantify, you know, engineering type thing, quantify how far I've come. And then it struck me, guess what happens when you get a divorce? The lawyers make you do an accounting. Ah, so I went it. back and I said, oh, the records are there. And lo and behold, I had, you know, 5.6 times. That was, that's the number I had, I had gone from a, a negative 55% loss and multiplied that 5.6 times in nine years. I retired from Boeing, never have to work again if I don't want to. And now I just enjoy continuing to invest in real estate and do the blog at theprolificinvestor.net and write a book that I did and just help everybody else out there get off that 401k highway to mediocrity, invest in real stuff where they can get to wherever they want to be earlier and faster. You know, what, what I love about your story, Chris, I mean, not only do we have a lot in common, I was also a NASA boy for a little while. I was at Marshall in Huntsville, okay. you know, sure. uh, yeah. also not in the Saturn five days, obviously, but <laughs> you know, anyway, so, you know, we, we both kind of worked a pretty rewarding corporate career. You know, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed my time at, at places like GE and NASA and things you enjoyed Boeing, but we read a little book. We had a paradigm shift. We saw a different way. You had an, an illiquidity event, as you put it, right? And what's cool about this is, is I think understanding the difference in conventional assets and alternative assets is something that you have done very well. And, and you're a pretty well-rounded 
limited partner investor, if you want to call it that, right? You're not the active syndicator or the one actually running the investments, but you're deploying money into things that are making you money. Honestly, folks, when you get to where you have a little money, you're in the best position ever because, you know, everyone needs operators, but when you're the one with the money, you have a lot of ability to go and make money without doing anything, you know, and then you can really spend your time writing books and things like that. So Chris, I I love that the example, you know, how would you like, I guess maybe if we just overarch this a little bit, what, what all, I guess, well, first, what would you say is the difference in an alternative investment and a conventional investment? And then maybe we'll talk about what all different bricks you're into. Yeah. Right? So the, it's, it's really easy. So conventional investments are pretty much everything that's publicly traded. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETF. Those are your conventional investments. Everything else is alternative investments. So that would be any form of real estate, you know, cryptocurrency, private lending, private equity, um, business equipment. I, I do own some ATM machines. There's some ATM syndications out there, notes. Believe it or not, cash value, cash value life insurance is a great alternative investment that I feel should be the like the foundation of every serious investor's portfolio. But then, so if you, so that's kind of the two big dividing lines between conventional and alternatives. But there's four asset classes. There's paper. There's commodities. There's real assets like real estate and things you can touch. And then there's private shares of small businesses. So those are, or you could call it private equity. So those are the four asset classes. And the interesting thing is if you're a conventional investor and you go to your financial advisor and he's gonna build you a diversified portfolio, you're in one asset class, you're all in paper. You've got no commodities, you've got no private equity and you've got no real estate. So all the people that think they have a diversified portfolio, it's diversified in one tiny segment of the market called paper. And with paper comes counterparty risk, right? <laughs> so I think, is that is that a good explanation of the conventional and alternatives? I think it is. And, and to further point that out, you know, I mean, you know, our group is an alternative investment group. I mean, a lot of the people know us and know what we're doing, but, you know, we're, we're focusing in a small subset of, of alternative assets. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, sure. Chris just outlined a whole lot of other opportunities that are also not this little bucket that is the conventional asset. And by the way, they keep you in a little, a little conventional asset bubble because that's where they can take their fees, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yes. whether or not it performs or not, they don't care. Yes. So not saying anything bad about the individuals they're trained to do what they're, what they do, but that's not where you want to be. So yes, why does that convince, so what is the conventional investing wisdom and why does it not work for, what, what did you say, 92% of Americans yeah. in your book? Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a couple of uh, base, there's two kind of basic tenets in the conventional investing wisdom. One is just that you invest in paper stock, you, you build that diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and you're building a, you're building this mountain of assets because they're not, they're not cash flowing investments like what you and I do. There, there's, you're, you're betting on capital appreciation. So you're building this kind of mountain of money. So that's the one principle. And then another principle is something called the 4% rule. And the 4% rule is the rule of thumb that financial advisors give to retirees and say, okay, you can sell off 4% percent of your portfolio every year, and you're likely to not run out of money before you run out of life, right? Because since they don't have apartment buildings that are, number one, increasing in value, and number two, throwing off cash at the same time, conventional investors have to generate cash flow by selling off this 4% of their portfolio. 
And so a lot of the conventional investors, the conversation is like, well, how big does that, how much money do I need? Does that need to be 500,000, a million, 5 million? What does it need to be? I think that's the wrong question. The question people should be asking is what income, what retirement income do I want? And then you use the 4% rule and it'll tell you how big that amount needs to be. So let's say that you wanted to have a retirement income of $100,000 a year. So you take that 100,000, you divide it by the 4% rule. And that gives you a portfolio of $2.5 million. I'm talking about kind of a 401k portfolio. And so that's a pretty, that's a pretty significant portfolio. So maybe we set our sights just a little bit too high. The median income in the United States is somewhere around mid 60, $63,000, something like that. So if we took the median income and, uh, you know, the median income probably works better in the in South Carolina, where I am, than Seattle, where I, where I lived before, right? So you take that, that's 63,000, you divide it by the 4% rule. Now you're, so you've still got a $1.575 million portfolio. And, but the problem now, it gets even better or worse because what the financial industries is finding out is that the 4% rule isn't working anymore. Now it's more like the 3% rule. So you take your 63,000 and divide it by 3% now, and now you're back up to a $2 million, $2.1 million portfolio. And what percentage of the population ever achieves millionaire status? 8%. So, so this whole system that requires a multi-million dollar portfolio in order for you to have the median US income requires you to be a millionaire. So therefore, ergo, it doesn't work for 92% of the population. So we're all, we're all on this, this highway to mediocrity and that's exactly where we're gonna end up. And most people don't realize how, how big that number needs to be. Now, if you've got pensions and other things like that, but you know, especially, you know, I've got kids that are in their, in their late 20s, early 30s, and you know they don't have any of that kind of stuff, and so this is what they're looking at. And uh, this is, the, I mean, this is really important for not our generation, but the one that's coming behind us because they're going to have a harder time than we did. They have to be smarter at a younger age, I think. I think you're right, and you know everything you just put—it's kind of a mic drop moment what you just did there because you basically said anything that you're being you know advertised at or or shown to put your money in, you know, is probably not working. You know, it's probably not going to get you where you want to go. And so we're fortunately we're in a time where we have podcasts, we have the internet, we have YouTube, you know, we can actually go and educate and improve our own financial acumen, which is what, and guys, there's a lot of books out there, like the one we're going to talk about that Chris wrote a little further in this episode. You know, even if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, pick it up and read it. It's a paradigm shift. It'll blow your mind. You won't believe it. You'll probably throw it away in the trash and you'll pick it up again and read it when you're ready to accept it. But it's the truth, you know, and, you know, people like Chris and I have have gotten into that mindset and, and learned it. So that's that's very interesting. So I, I guess, you know, to kind of conclude, we, we've talked about why that investment strategy doesn't work and how you really have to start, like, instead of thinking about the nest egg, right? Everyone sells this nest egg idea. It's like, okay, we well build this egg. And then at some point you got to start eating the egg. So let's pretend it's a boiled egg, not a cracked egg, right? So you, it's a boiled egg and you got to start taking bites out of it. And you hope you don't go hungry by the time you, you die, right? Well, guess what? Medicine's improving. I mean, we're getting to where the heart is not what's killing people now. It's the pancreas because people are living longer and that's the next thing to go in the, in the, the mechanics of life, right? So who knows what it'll be when we're, when we're at that age. So you have to start thinking about this as building rivers. You want to go build a stream that you can walk out there with a ladle and take a freaking drink whenever you want to, right? Not a nest egg, you know? So anyway, just, just to kind of conclude before we get into, into a couple of questions that we typically get into, Chris, 
you know, maybe kind of talk through the examples of alternative assets that you're in. We can take a few minutes on this and just, you know, how, why they benefit you. Like, why are you investing in commodities? Why are you investing in performing debt notes, things of that sort? And let's kind of just give every, because I think everyone understands real estate for the most part, but let's talk about the other stuff you're in. Let me try it. Uh, let me try it a, a different way. So whether, so I'm in, I'm primarily in multifamily, self-storage, ATMs, and, and cash value life insurance. That's pretty much what I do now. I, a lot of the stuff that I've done, uh, you know, the real estate guys, if you ever listen to their podcast, one day they said something, they just, you know, another Robert Kiyosaki moment. They said, you know, periodically, let's just say every year, you should look at all the assets that you own and ask yourself, if I had, if I, knowing what I know today, would I rebuy those assets again? And in my case, hands down, everything that I had done, it, there was a lot of dead ends in, in a few years, but I, I unwound all that stuff. And I finally landed, you know, where, where, where I fit when, and I love the performance of the multifamily, but in the book, I, I, and I created something called the hierarchy of investors. And it's, it's like a, it's like a pyramid, not a good example, pyramid or a triangle. And in the bottom is of the shadow of this pyramid where it's dark and damp. That's where all the conventional investments are. The conventional investors are down there. And then as you, as you get on the pyramid and start climbing, that's where all the alternatives are. And what I did is I compared conventional investments and alternatives across 13 different categories to see which one won that particular category. And alternatives win in 11 out of the 13. And there's one neutral item. And then there's, oh, I don't know, it's 11, 12. Anyway, it went 11 out of the 11 out of 13, whatever it is. And so the some of the advantages are things like things that you get from alternatives that you don't get from conventional. Number one, you get cash flow, right? You get way higher returns. The S&P 500 over its history has produced an average annual return of 9.8%. You and I regularly get returns in the 20 plus percent. Matter of fact, I just had a liquidity event on Monday on an apartment building with a 27% average annual return. And guess how much taxes I paid on that income? Zero. That's another thing, taxes. Uh, alternatives have built-in tax advantages called depreciation. And uh, you being a nerdy guy, well, let's let's talk about a physics formula. You know, force equals mass times acceleration, right? Well, if the force is equal to building your wealth, the mass is how much money you have to invest, and acceleration is you just keeping that you keeping that money moving. Well, we all run out of mass, but guess what? You can use with alternatives. You can use other people's money. You can get bank loans. You can't go out and think about going into a, a banker and say, hey, I'd like to supercharge my investing. I'm going to invest $100,000 in, in mutual funds. I'd like you to loan me $70,000. Not going to happen, right? So anyway, there's like, a, like I said, 11 out of these 13 categories are all in favor of alternatives. So what, you and I can insure our assets, right? We can, you know, you wouldn't think of not insuring your house, but people have more money in 401ks that are completely unprotected and uninsurable. Right. So, I mean, what, what, do, what do bankers and insurance people know about all about conventional investments that they're not worthy of lending against and they can't be insured? So anyway, those are just some of the, you know, the advantages that I go through in the book. And I use the ATM machine as an example. And the reason is because it's just a fixed monthly payment that I, that I get. So it's just really easy to do the math. And, and anyway. 
Yeah. So that's, and that's probably one of your more cash flow heavy investments, I would say. Probably yes. not a big equity play, but it, it's definitely a cash flow play. Yeah. It's a depreciating asset. So that's just something, it's kind of like a used car. You just got to know you're, you're going to get, the, it's like a really high paying annuity for like seven years. But at the end, you know, it's worth whatever it's worth and you sell it. So you, if you spend all that money along the way, you just got to realize there's nothing left at the end. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, fantastic. So, okay. I'd love to talk about this all day long, Chris. I feel like we could keep going on these alternative assets, but let's get into a couple of the questions here so we can find out your answers and also talk about this book a little bit. Cause I think it's, it's a must read for those who are looking to, you know, we'll say truly diversify your investments, not <laughs> right, just right. conventional portfolio. So Chris, okay. What is your superpower? as it relates to your business profession or lifestyle? I think my superpower is taking complex things and bringing them down into like a one page kind of infographic. You know, this is, this is the hierarchy of investors and all the stuff that I talked about is on there. I, I could, I could give, I could spend 45 minutes just talking from this slide. This pretty much goes you through everything that there is to know about the differences between conventional and alternative. So that's, that's my superpower. I think. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that infographic. I'm going to have to, to figure out where I can get that. It's on the, it's on the website and the resources page. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And folks, we'll get down to the website here in just a minute in the show notes. So what is your biggest failure and what did it teach you? So when I was first on this journey, I was very enamored with private equity. So these are this is buying private shares of small businesses. And as we've all heard, you know, the majority of, of startups fail. And I made the mistake of putting too much money in too few of these companies. And one of them has already failed. And the other two, you know, were kind of teetering before COVID. And so uh, I think that um, I believe in, in, in putting a percentage of my portfolio in what I call the swing for the fences, you know, the grand slam, whether that be crypto or these private equities. But I know now there needs to be smaller amounts spread across. It needs to be more diversified. So it hasn't been a total disaster. I've certainly learned something and I still got a couple players in the game. And if one of them, one of them, you know, hits a home run, that'll, that'll pay for all the other ones. So that was, that was one of the mistakes I made early on. Fair enough. I mean, I think the most important, especially if you're playing in, in any sort of private investment, due diligence is your is your, the two most important words in real estate or anything like that, you know, and, and it's hard to, uh, you know, you have to assess your risk because sometimes it's hard to, you know, you can look at the big rosy projections and they, and they may really hit it. But to your point, you got to think about failure rate too, you know, so it's very good. Okay. Let's talk about this book a little bit. So you've written a book. Let's, let's talk about what it is, where we can find it, why these guys should read it. Cause I think they need to. Yeah, it was, um, the book is titled Get Off Your Ass and, and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. It was released last November or, or December, and it's available on Amazon exclusively. And I, I wrote it because, you know, my path from conventional investments to alternatives to financial freedom, like with the private equity was, you know, one step forward, three steps back, two steps sideways. It was a very jagged path. And I thought if I wanted to take somebody who was like me back then and give them the, give them the information of why they should be doing it and how I could I could save them a lot of headaches. And so that's why I wrote the book. And so you know, I go through the four asset classes, the hierarchy of investors, and, and I talk about each one of those uh, different 13 attributes and whether it's uh, 
better for conventional or alternatives. And I use and I use the real numbers from my ATM. So when I'm talking about each one of these attributes, you know, okay, well, ROIs, well, here's the actual return on investment, or in, in this case, I probably I think I used an IRR because it's a cash flowing investment. And so I, I I talk about it in general and then I apply each one of them to the ATMs to show how this actual investment performs. And I the problem with this kind of stuff is that it's not like uh, conventional investments. You can't say, well just go by you know so and so's you know balanced mutual fund and you know it's really all I can do is kind of open your like Robert Kiyosaki, not that I should be comparing myself to him, but all I can do is kind of open your mind and convince you that this is a better path and give you some resources to get started. You have to start surrounding yourself with the people, reading the books, listening to the podcast, going to the con- conventions and seminars. And then if you do all that, you will out of all the alternatives that there are, you will find one that's right for you. But unfortunately, I can't tell you what that is. That was actually a criticism of the book as well. Somebody, they want me to give them the answer at the end of the book. And you have to find the answer for yourself. It's kind of a process, a discovery process. So if for anybody who is either questioning, you know, being in the stock market or doesn't believe me and wants to see if I know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's a, it's a great book to, ch- to kind of give you all the ammunition to kind of move down that road. There's, lot, there's lots of numbers and charts and graphs and it's in color. So it's, it's all really cool. It's, it's only a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, and it's, you know, it's a hundred and I don't know, 120 pages or something. This is a two hour read. So, uh, but definitely well worth it. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> in, my, in my, you know, completely objective opinion. right? <laughs> Folks, what I love about it is it's practical. There's some numbers in there. And to Chris's point, this is, this is not something where, you know, we're not financial advisors. We're not going to come to you and say, this is the balance thing that we've curated for everybody and it should fit everybody. And this is what it's going to fit. It's not that way, right? You're going to have your own risk tolerance. You're going to have your own hopes, dreams, desires. Maybe you want more cash flow. Maybe you want more equity upside because you have a good job right now. We can't answer these questions for you. What we can do is, you know, give a man to fish versus teach a man to fish, right? Or woman in, in today's society, right? So you, you can either way, just um, you have to go through the exploratory process and, you know, read this book because this is going to kind of branch you out a little bit more, not just in real estate, but other types of assets and kind of where they rank on the pyramid. I'm excited to go read it myself, actually. So thank you for that. That's available on Amazon. And again, that is get off your ass. By the way, it's not a cuss word. It's a dollar sign, dollar sign. So get off your ass with money and manage your money. You know, you why you need alternative investments. So get that anywhere on Amazon. Fantastic stuff. And it looks like also on your site, you have some free downloadable resources we should chat about. Yeah. So just a quick question on the, uh, about the book. So if you go to Amazon and you type, get off your ass and manage your money, it might be a little, it might take it. If you just type in my name, Chris Odegaard, the book will come up quicker. And then also on the website on the prolificinvestor.net, there's, there's a, there's a link right there. So those are the a couple of ways to get there, but yeah, there's some, there's downloadable resources. There's all the, uh, I typically write an article every month. So it's been about 45 or 44 articles there. Sometimes there's a video with them. Sometimes there's not. And I, you know, I've got a page full of resources, you know, podcasts and books and, and, and some of the investments that I do or have done. And some of the people that are even in some cases, something that I haven't done, but somebody who's got a good reputation in that area, if that happens to be something that, you know, might work for you. So. 
That's really good. So you may you may not give them a curated example, but you may have some connections where they can go find when they you know a source for that type of investment because you won't you won't always find it on Google. So fantastic. Well, I think that and all of that will be in the show notes, folks. By the way, so that's the prolificinvestor.net. Scroll down from this episode, you'll see in the show notes. If for some reason Apple's been cutting off show notes lately, click on episode website and they'll all be there, shiny and ready for you to click on. So. Before Jen, before you go, there's a, just a couple other things. So I have a there's a coffee cup on the front page. So anybody who wants to have a free virtual coffee with me for 30 minutes, you go there, click on that. You can pick a time on your schedule, and I, I set aside Thursdays for anybody who wants to kind of do that. So it's always you know it's nice to read a book and see somebody or listen to them. But if you want to have a, a Zoom call with me and tell me where you are and where you're trying to get, like I said, like we both said, we don't give financial advice, but I can tell you what I know and share my experience. And there's also a conventional invest and conventional investment quiz there. It's a 10 question quiz. You could do that as well. And it'll, it'll be a little eye opening. I think <laughs> I like coffee. Is that open for me as well? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Chris, last thing here in the episode, we at Quattro, one of our four pillars is philanthropy. I'd love to give you an opportunity to mention any philanthropies that you are contributing to so that perhaps our listeners will contribute uh, alongside with you. Um, yeah, I'm always, well, if I have them, I'm always kind of drawn toward things that have to do with uh, veterans and children. And let me see if, let me find the one. There's a medical team that goes out around the world and, and I just don't have it on the tip of my tongue. No worries. These guys will edit out the space. So we're good. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I will get it to you. How's that? Okay, fantastic. So we'll look for uh, anything that supports veterans or children and scroll down to the show notes and we'll let Chris give us the surprise philanthropy that he's been contributing to. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is, it's fantastic to just, you know, chat with not only other operators, but other investors who aren't really the ones actively running the show here, but, you know, are, are the ones actually reaping the benefits out of these investments. And it sounds like you've you know, really almost fully exited the conventional portfolio and you have a arsenal of alternative investments that have really treated you well. So congratulations, sir. Thank you for having, for coming on the show. Thank you. Had a great time. All right, everyone. This has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Until next time, over and out. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.